a mysterious letter arrives at the Collins estate, its sender unknown. The one certainty is that the contents of the envelope will lead to madness and terror at Collinwood. Collinwood, episode 21. I am your hostess, Penny Dreadful. Say it in the mirror three times backwards, if you dare. And I'm here to talk with you about our favorite spooky show, Dark Shadows. Before we dive into the show today, I have some very exciting news. The return of the print fanzine. Can you believe it? Here it is. And of course, it's coming from the Dark Shadows news page. Oh my goodness. Stuart, of course. Daytime Gothic coming in spring 2022. Oh my goodness. This is so cool. Daytime Gothic will be a new print fanzine published this spring to mark 25 and a bit years of the Dark Shadows Journal, the fan magazine that became the Dark Shadows news page. I was looking at that all the time, and it was, of course, Stuart Manning, who's done so much uh, to contribute to the fan community, uh, to official projects uh, pertaining to Dark Shadows. So, And I've been talking, you know, since this podcast started about how much I miss print fanzines. So I am really thrilled uh, that this is happening. Make sure you follow the Dark Shadows news page on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, to stay up to date on developments with Daytime Gothic. It is scheduled for spring of 2022, and I cannot wait to see this fanzine at last. Another Dark Shadows print fanzine after so long of not having any print fanzines. Uh, Kathy Rush was on here recently. We were talking about how there are no more really no more print fanzines for Dark Shadows or for most fandoms. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. Uh, And today's episode is going to be a bit of a shorter one. Uh, It's going to be a The Bride of Listener Voicemail. Um, I'm going to keep this a bit shorter. Uh, I'm going to keep it more succinct and sort of do an abbreviated version rather than read all of the emails I got. I got so many delightful, wonderful emails, uh, but I'm going to try to do excerpts this time and and kind of hit some questions that were asked. Uh, And some people sent some really in-depth, fabulous uh, uh, emails to me, which I really appreciate. And I did read them all, but I'm going to try to keep it... uh, keep it a little shorter here today. So some of these topics I may cover down the road. So uh, our first message comes from Robin Chang. Have you thought about having future episodes on literary influences? One on Lovecraft especially might be interesting. Rick Lay and Stephen Mark Rainey know a lot about Dark Shadows and Lovecraftian horror and might be worth talking to. Thank you again. They are definitely worth talking to. In fact, uh, I had already reached out to Mark to ask him to uh, come on to talk about the Leviathans with me when I get to that storyline. And Rick is also going to, I'm I'm also going to reach out to Rick, actually. I've read uh, his delightful essay uh, about the Leviathans and, and Lovecraft. So uh, those are those are those two guys I definitely want to have on for the Leviathan storyline. When I get to it, uh, you know, Mark I've known on, from online for a while through the Dark Shadows forums and through Facebook, and he's he's brilliant. Uh, and uh, I look forward to chatting with him and Rick if Rick if they can make it, uh, that would be great. Uh, absolutely good suggestion. We are uh, we are definitely on the same page there, Robin. Next email comes from Clint Cates. 
longtime fan, found your Shilling Shockers on YouTube many years ago and loved them all. I was re-listening to the podcast and I had thought that you had mentioned a web fanzine I've been following for years. It's Shadows on the Wall. Thousands of pictures both in front of and behind the camera plus fanfic included. I did mention that uh, in the later episode. Shadows on the Wall is an online digital fanzine. Please do check it out. It is really cool. There is a lot of amazing information in that uh, fanzine. Uh, It is an online fanzine. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, He goes on to say, I love the podcast. Please keep them coming. You make my drive time a pleasure and can't wait for my next fix of terror at Collinwood. Thank you so much, Clint. I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that uh, it helps you get through your drive. Uh, Hey, uh, I love talking about Dark Shadows. I never get tired of talking about Dark Shadows. So uh, (laughs) if I I weren't limited to uh, an hour and 50 minutes by uh, Squarespace, so you, you, we may end up with like, you know, with three hour episodes. <laughs> so it's probably for the best that I'm limited to to uh, by Squarespace here. Um, the next email comes from David Elijah Namod, who says, I just listened to you on Monster Kid Radio. Uh, if I may, I have more suggestions for possible topics for the podcast. One, is the Leviathan story really that bad? I don't think it is. It's mysterious and creepy. And that antique shop gives off a really spooky vibe. And two... Clarice Blackburn, Dark Shadows' unsung talent. Clarice was a wonderful actress with a strong presence, as she so wonderfully displayed when she played Abigail Collins. For the most part, she was woefully underused and was never given her due as a performer. I agree with you on both counts, David. Um, I really enjoyed the Leviathan storyline. I enjoyed it the first time I watched it in syndication, and I really enjoyed it when I rewatched it several times. It is a departure, but I like that. It's, I mean, where do you go from 1897? Where do you go from the most popular and successful storyline that they did on the show? Uh, I thought it was brilliant that Dan Curtis came to the writers with H.P. Lovecraft and said, let's do Lovecraft. Let's do this, this bizarre storyline. I thought it was cool. Um, It's flawed. Uh, There are issues with it. Uh, It's not as strong as the, certainly not as strong as 1795 or 1897 or Introduction of Barnabas, but I think it's fun and compelling and weird and different. And I I liked it. I think a lot of people dump on the Leviathan storyline because, well, initially because uh, the kids watching it back then were shocked that Barnabas was just so coldly evil. Barnabas always with shades of gray. I'm not one of these people who's like, Barnabas goes from being a bad guy to being a good guy. He, it's not that simple. Jonathan Frid himself always said Barnabas was a very complex character who was a mix of both. He could be evil. He could be good. Uh, but Leviathan Barnabas, under the control of the Leviathans, was just cold, emotionless. I mean, the Barnabas as a vampire was could be extremely violent and passionate and and romantic and sad, especially sad. I mean, that's that was what resonated with audiences was that vulnerability underneath the monster. There was a, a tragic figure as well. I mean, again, Barnabas was a very complex character. He was shades of gray, but not that cold, emotionless uh, Barnabas we saw during Leviathan. So much fun to watch, though. I think that was part of it. But I think it's also just... I think it's just people have kind of cemented it into their minds. Like, this is the jump the shark moment for Dark Shadows with the Leviathans. It isn't. I think it's if, if that last year of the show had been in syndication beyond Leviathans, uh, beyond uh, uh, partway into parallel time, I think uh, we would have seen other 
uh, choices there. I love all of the Dark Shadows storylines. You're never going to hear me on the show saying, I hate that storyline. But if I were going to pick a least favorite, it would be the summer 1970 haunting storyline. There are great moments in that storyline that I love, um, but it's not my favorite, I guess. Anyway, um, that's that. And as for Clarice Blackburn, oh my goodness, what an amazing actress. She was a brilliant character actress, uh, very just solid actress on the show. She never disappointed. She was brilliant. Uh, I'd I'm, at some point, I'm sure I'll do a Clarice Blackburn tribute episode or something to that effect. Our next message comes from Chris Franklin. I just wanted to let you know how much I'm enjoying Tara at Collinwood. I discovered it through your recent guest spot on Monster Kid Radio. Yay, another listener who's coming through Monster Kid Radio. Thank you, Derek. Uh, I really like your approach of covering the major storylines with the guests. Keeps the conversation lively and doesn't bog things down in an index-style show when you would have to cover over 1,200 episodes. Indeed, that would take a while. My wife and I do an index show on the Justice League slash Justice League Unlimited anime series. And even though the episode count is manageable, we still need a break now and then. Fantastic. Awesome. I will put a link to your show uh, in the show notes there, the Supermates podcast. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's Justice League Unlimited, Justice League. I watched all of those. Those were those were great shows. Uh, those Bruce Tim DC Animated Universe shows were, were awesome. Um, my favorite is Batman the Animated Series. I love Batman the Animated Series. I'm a huge fan of Batman the Animated Series. I love Superman the Animated Series too. Um, they did such a great job. The voice acting, the direction. I have the, the Batman series on, on Blu-ray. Uh, really enjoyed that series when it aired in the in the 90s and uh, is the best animated version of Batman. Probably the best depiction of Batman ever that I have ever seen. Um, I really like that cartoon. It definitely pulled its inspiration from Fleischer, uh, you know, the Fleischer Superman cartoons. Uh, so it's great. Uh, and the uh, Justice League cartoons were also really well done. I really enjoyed uh, those too. The next message comes from Marvina. Thank you for the wonderful Dark Shadows podcast. I started watching Dark Shadows back in 1966 and I remember seeing the very first episode when it aired. I was hooked from that day on and it's still my absolute favorite show. My dear grandfather Leland loved it as much as I did. He was 75 years old when it came on in 1966 and we both had a wonderful time watching the show and discussing it. I will never forget July 4th, 1968, when Jonathan Frid came to our town of Columbus, Georgia. Leland was determined that I would go see Jonathan Frid, and I know he wanted to see him too. Leland did not drive, but he found a neighbor to take us to the TV station downtown, and we got to see Barnabas. I was 13 at the time, and Leland was 77. I never took my eyes off of Barnabas. I believe he was touring various TV stations at the time. We were across the street, but I still got a good view. It was extremely hot that day, but we stayed right there in the blazing sun. Wow, that is so cool, Marvina, that you got to go to one of those. I've seen so many pictures of, of those events where Jonathan Frid would do his tours and, uh, you know, be waving at, at the fans. And oh, my goodness, it's so cool that you got to go to, go to one of those. Um, and she goes on to say, my dear mother also wanted to do whatever she could to help me enjoy Dark Shadows. When I was 17 in 1972, she arranged for us to go on a Caribbean cruise that made a stop in Martinique. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I was so happy to have been to the island where Angelique and Josette had lived. 
I bought a small bottle of jasmine perfume on that trip since it was what Josette wore. My mother later bought Josette's music box out of a catalog for me, and I still treasure it to this very day. This is so cool. I love this. Uh, a few years ago, my dear husband of 44 years, Tom, bought me the full DVD set. Watching Dark Shadows again made me so happy. When it was on TV in the 1960s, if you missed an episode, you just missed it. There was no way to record it like we have now, so there were some shows that I missed back then. Thank you for all that you do and keep up the great work. Your friend Marvina. Oh, Marvina, thank you so much for sharing those uh, those memories of those experiences of going to Martinique and experiencing Jonathan Frid when he did one of his tours in the 60s. That is really cool. The next message comes from John Burnside, who writes, I wanted to let you know that I listened to your latest podcast, and once again, it's marvelous. Also, your blog with the behind-the-scenes photos is wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing all that. I need to comment on the comment about Abe Vigoda looking like Boris Karloff. He played Jonathan Brewster in the 1986-1987 revival of Arsenic and Old Lace before Jonathan Frid took over the part. I did know that, John. Um, I did not mention it, though. I should I should have thrown that in, but I spaced on it. But I did, uh, I did know that, that it was uh, Abe Vigoda who played the part before uh, Jonathan Frid took over the part in that production. Uh, but thank you for pointing that out. And also thank you again to Rob Sacconi for sharing those amazing set photos that were provided to him by his uncle, who was a cameraman on Dark Shadows. If you have not seen them, head over to the Terror at Collinwood blog and check them out. They are there, as well as Eric Marshall's amazing uh, illustrations of what Dark Shadows would look like as a 70s cartoon uh, by Hanna-Barbera. And there are more cool things coming to the blog. I just haven't gotten a chance to uh, put them together, but there are some things uh, in the pipeline for that. But thank you very much, John, for writing in. And before I forget to mention it, please do subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe via your favorite podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Prime, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, you can subscribe. And also do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. I may do a video on my Dark Shadows and Monster Collectibles. I'm actually redoing my office uh, so that it is a monster room, a Dark Shadows and Monster Room. Uh, and that's going to be my backdrop for when I do video versions of this podcast. Uh, so, uh, you know, Maybe I'll do a little a little tour of my monster room that's uh, being constructed in the lab right now. All right. Um, the next message comes in from Nick Caputo. Hello, Penny. I just listened to your first podcast and wanted to compliment you on producing a compelling and heartfelt look at this most unique show. What drew me in immediately was your take on DS being attractive to outsiders. I never quite thought of it that way, but when you mentioned it, I thought, absolutely. As a shy kid growing up in the 1960s, often alone, my imagination took me to places that drew me in, comic books, particularly the Marvel line, which my older brother John bought on a regular basis, drew me completely in with their colorful characters and ongoing storylines. Of course, I loved cartoons, Popeye was a favorite, and old monster horror sci-fi movies, but Dark Shadows was a special experience. I love Popeye too, he's awesome. He continues on, I'm very much in agreement with you. On your analysis of the show, the writers and actors took it dead seriously. There was no camp involved. I doubt as a 7 to 11-year-old I ever noticed flop lines or sets falling. I was too immersed in the brigadoon aspects. Living in an old house in Brooklyn, I could certainly be scared by a werewolf jumping over a banister or seeing a house invaded by weeds and falling apart. These were vivid images that fueled my imagination. I also bought all the gum cards, famous monsters, and the gold key comics which were a surprise when they appeared on the racks of one of my local candy stores. Dark Shadows was everywhere, and then it was gone. There was little mention of the show in the years following. As you note, 
But one day in the early 1980s, NBC announced the show would be rerun in the afternoon. I was delighted, but working part-time, I wasn't always allowed to watch, and I didn't have a VCR. If you are interested in comics at all, you might like to check out my blog. My focus is on celebrating the many talented creators, some overlooked, and providing analysis, insight, background, and humor. I often write about one of my favorite creators, Steve Ditko, but traveled all over, particularly covering comics of the 1960s and earlier, and often neglected work such as Charlton's output. I will put a link to this in the show notes, but it's nick-caputo.blogspot.com, and it's a great website. I will definitely put a link to it uh, so you can check Check that out and thank you very much, Nick. This email comes from Julie Govin. Dear Penny, I've been listening to your show and enjoying the episodes. When you talked about Barnabas' storyline, I wondered if you would mention what the job is that Barnabas sends Willie to do. It seems like something awful, but I wonder if you have theories. Thank you for a great podcast, Julie Govin. Okay, Julie, if you look at Willie's reaction to what Barnabas commands him to do, when Barnabas says, go. Now, Willie is terrified. He is absolutely repulsed and horrified by what he has to do. Look at John Carlin's body language. He's trembling. He is completely repulsed and does not want to do what Barnabas is telling him to do. He has this job to do. What is it? It's I always assumed based on that he was getting victims for Barnabas. He was bringing victims to the old house. He was probably picking up prostitutes is what he was doing and bringing them to the old house or to some predetermined location that Barnabas told him to bring the person to, like probably maybe in the woods somewhere or some, maybe not to the old house directly, but to some predetermined location for Barnabas to feed on and presumably strangle and, and bury in the woods uh, on the estate. In fact, that maybe that's part of what Willie had to do as well. After Barnabas strangled the victim, Willie probably had to bury the body. If Barnabas killed the person, we can assume that based on Willie's reaction, or he might just be feeding on the person. Who knows? He was the Colin Sport Strangler in 1795, so that they wouldn't rise as vampires, you know, he feed on them and kill them. Uh, and it's actually John Carlin himself, I believe it was in the late 70s in an interview for one of the fanzines, I think it might have been World of Dark Shadows. It was like a transcript, I think, from one of the cons. It might have been an early festival or, or one of the shadow cons. John Carlin used to kid around a lot, but he did say something to the effect of he was bringing Barnabas livestock at first, like calves, and then it escalated to people. Like he he literally said he was bringing people to Barnabas for him to feed on. I think he said something like bringing young women to Barnabas to feed on or some, something to that effect. So, I mean, that was what I assumed when I was watching it, that he was bringing people to Barnabas and that it was probably Willie going out and picking up hookers and bringing them to the old house. And Barnabas, that would have be one step removed for Barnabas too, because that way he's not seen. You know, it's, it's Willie who's who's bringing these victims to him. So that's what I think is going on. Nasty. All right. Our next message here comes from Brad Friedman, who writes, 
I have finally retired, helped along by the pandemic after 31 years of teaching high school drama, and I'm trying to upgrade my relationship to technology, including giving up my CD collection for Spotify, where I've been searching around for podcasts of interest. On a whim, I typed in Dark Shadows and Terror at Collinwood popped up. I have just finished listening to the first series of episodes and have thoroughly enjoyed listening to you and your guests deep dive into this beloved series in such great detail. I have been blogging for about six years about classic mysteries, old films, and theater at Ah Sweet Mystery. And you can find that at ahsweetmysteryblog.wordpress.com. I will put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, And I can really appreciate those who want to nerd out on the things they love. I loved Dark Shadows, and I'm so enjoying a revisit through your show that I uploaded Tubi to my TV and am starting at the beginning once more. I also want to let you know how moved I was by the LGBTQ plus episode. As a burgeoning adolescent boy with a secret during that time, there were two aspects of Dark Shadows that really spoke to me. One, of course, was the wealth of good-looking guys. I mean, who wouldn't want to be seduced by Nathan Forbes or possessed by Quentin or follow Jeb Hawks when he wasn't in his slimy phase to the dank catacombs of the Leviathan Lair? More than that, this was the story of a bunch of hated outsiders finding a place to belong. Thank you so much for writing in, Brad. I really appreciate it. And thanks for listening to the show. I'm so glad you were able to find it uh, and listen to it. So thank you. The next message comes to us from Dan Saba or Saba. Uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Just wanted to say that I love your Dark Shadows podcast and have been listening to it every day on my way to work. I really love your discussions about in-canon theories, about the plot holes in Dark Shadows, since I've been doing those myself since I started watching as a kid. I'm really excited to get to your episode on LGBT fans of Dark Shadows as I myself am a gay guy who's always been totally drawn to it, obsessed with it since my mom introduced me to me when I was a kid after she watched in the 60s as a kid. Thank you so much, uh, Dan. I really appreciate uh, your email. Uh, The next message comes from John Wyrinius. I've been enjoying the podcast immensely from the beginning. It's always a great pleasure to hear Dark Shadows fans go into deep fan theory, and yours are especially good, but when you and Steven started discussing Montague Summers, I did a massive double take because I'm writing a book about him, or to be precise, I'm waiting on confirmation that my book proposal has been accepted. The editor says the contract should be in hand by the end of the month, so hoping I'd be writing about his whole body of work and about his life, but obviously the malleus and other occult interests are going to be discussed at length, especially his research into vampires, werewolves, and witchcraft. Nice to know that at least two readers for the book might be out there. John, John, please uh, let me know when your book on Montague Summers uh, comes out because that is incredible uh, and really cool. And uh, I definitely want to pick that up uh, when that comes out. So for sure, please let me know. Our next message comes from Ricky Miller. Ricky says, hello, I love your podcast and am, of course, a big Dark Shadows fan. I was introduced by watching the film House of Dark Shadows as a kid and have been hooked ever since. Even as a 26-year-old, I just love the shows, even if my boyfriend doesn't like it. His loss, I just want to know if you will cover Lara Parker's books, such as Angelique's Descent. Like I said, I love your podcast. Continue what you do. Thanks so much, Ricky. Uh, At some point, I am sure I will be talking about Laura Parker's books. I don't consider the spinoff media, the continuations or 
parallel media, et cetera, to be canon to the main timeline of the show. But I do enjoy all of that stuff. The Gold Key Comics, the Big Finish, all, uh, Lara Parker's books, uh, the newspaper strip. So at some point, I'm sure I will be talking about them, maybe devote an episode to each book. I will probably talk about any officially licensed Dark Shadows stories here and there. I don't know if I'm going to devote like stretches of episodes to them, but I, I, I'm not opposed to discussing uh, uh, licensed media, uh, particularly books written by uh, Lara Parker. All right. This email comes from Vikram Mather, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Vikram says, uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast as well as anything Dark Shadows and Dan Curtis related. I wanted to propose an interesting angle for a future episode that I think listeners would be fascinated by and would be something not spoken about much in other Dark Shadows forums. The first piece is how Dark Shadows has impacted a new generation of fans that did not grow up when it aired. Uh, in, the 19, in 1995, when I was eight years old, I discovered it on the Sci-Fi Channel and I was hooked. I watched it regularly and to this day watch it whenever I can. I own several of the books and most of the show on DVD. The second piece, which I think you may find as the real unique angle, is that I'm a 33-year-old Indian American who was born and brought up here, but my great-grandmother who came to the U.S. in the late 60s did not know English was a big fan of Dark Shadows. My mother grew up here in the U.S. and watched the show as a kid and introduced me to it when it was on sci-fi. I think the pieces of cross-cultural impact and impact across generations of the show would be interesting. I do too. I think that is an interesting topic. As I said before, my family came to the U.S. from Portugal. I am, I am the first generation born here. So my uncle Valdemar, who introduced me to Dark Shadows, my mom, they all spoke Portuguese when they came here. They watched Dark Shadows when it aired. They were, my uncle especially, was like hardcore Dark Shadows fan and passed that on to me when... <laughs> my earliest memories, I remember him talking about Dark Shadows and giving me his famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. So I think there's definitely some, some uh, uh, there, there's an interesting angle that could be explored there for sure. Thank you for writing in. I got a message here from Don Schmidt. Don says, thank you for the podcast from Seaview Terrace, talking with all the fans about the house and all their DS memories. It was truly special. I do have an idea for a future podcast. Maybe you can do a show that focuses on Dan Ross and the 32 books. Aha. More requests for spin-off media discussions that are not canon to the main show, but I will consider it. I, I, the Ross novels are so famous, you know, that I, I can't say no to that. We probably are going to talk about that at some point. Um, he says, I think The Curse of Collinwood is my favorite book so far. Derek and Esther Collins scared the hell out of me. Another favorite was Barnabas Quentin and the Nightmare Assassin, where we finally get to experience Christmas at Collinwood. I thought the character of Carolyn Stardard was outstanding, and I totally had Nancy Barrett in mind the entire time I was reading the book. Anyway, just a suggestion. Thank you for doing such a great job on the podcast. Your hard work is appreciated. Take care, Don Schmidt. Don, thank you so much. I am sure, Don, we will be talking about the Ross novels as we go along. They're, they come up in conversation quite often, and maybe we can do uh, an episode devoted specifically to the Ross novels. That would be really fun. The next uh, message comes from Rhiannon. Uh, Rhiannon says, hi, I just want to thank you for the podcast. I just finished listening to the most recent episode and loved it. Time travel is one of my favorite aspects of Dark Shadows. I'm 41 and I became a fan when sci-fi started airing the show. Actually, I first came across Dark Shadows when I saw one of Catherine Lee Scott's companion guides in a bookstore, and the cover of Barnabas drew me in, and the book made me a fan before I even saw the show, but I fell away from it over the years. I discovered your podcast when I decided earlier this year to revisit the things that made me really happy throughout my life. I've never talked to a fan of Dark Shadows before, so feeling like I'm listening in on the conversation is a real treat. Some of my personal Dark Shadows memories, I remember my great aunt visiting us and seeing me watch Dark 
shadows and declaring that shows like this were what was wrong with kids today in the 90s. Uh, I love that. Uh, I had a nail-line dress I used to wear all the time, and I tried to style my hair like Vicky's. One of the things that drew me to my now husband was he had large sideburns when we met, and it made me think of my first love, Quentin. I actually majored in literature, focusing on Victorian Gothic literature, and now I'm a therapist. My clients are often amazed at how well I can keep track of all the people and details of their lives. I think keeping track of the Collinses helped me train for that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rian, and that's great. And our next one comes from Alan Gallant, or Gallant. Hi, Danielle. This is Alan Gallant, native of Bangor, Maine, now living in Orlando, Florida, humble but nonetheless rabid Dark Shadows fan. I've been enjoying your podcast, in particular the one with Pat. Patrick and Wallace on the Dark Shadows Daybook. Your new uh, number 16 podcast, wonderful work as usual. The scream that you mentioned, which is basically the Wilhelm scream uh, of Dark Shadows, is not Catherine Lee Scott. It is a special effects library scream, which you can hear on this circa 1960 Halloween Spooky Sounds LP. Check it out at two minutes and 45 on side A of the record. And he sends a link to it. I will put that in the show notes. Uh, yours in the neck, Alan Gallant. Alan, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. That's awesome that you that you knew what that was from. Uh, another one I've been looking for is the the stock howl for the werewolf that they use in the show. Because I've heard that elsewhere in like Halloween records and just on t- other TV shows. It's like a very specific howl for the Dark Shadows werewolf. Where does that come from? Is that an ABC? I, I don't know if it's an ABC from the ABC sound effects library because I've heard it in other things. So I wonder where it comes from. Uh, it must be some like standard werewolf howl that is used uh, in for different things. The next message comes from Daniel Myers. Daniel writes, I just wanted to reach out and say thank you for a very cool Dark Shadows podcast. I was one of those young kids watching the show after school when it first aired. I never saw them all, but over the years, I've been gradually catching up with them on DVD, currently at volume 20 of the 26 MPI releases. If you're familiar with Count Gordeval, he was my horror host growing up. Of course, I'm familiar with Count Gordeval. He is a friend of mine and I love Count Gore. I have not seen him in a long time and I, I miss him a lot. Uh, and in fact, he was kind enough when we did, when uh, Dr. Gangrene and I, Dr. Gangrene is a fellow horror host from Nashville, uh, we did the dreadful Hallow Green special, which came out on uh, Alpha Home Video. Uh, Count Gore did the intro for that. He did the, the setup for it and did the little poem and, and everything. He was, he's great. Uh, and I, I look forward to seeing him again at, at some point. Anyway, continuing on, uh, I got the signed Barnabas picture that you regularly see hanging on his castle wall. That is so cool. I have also made it a point to discover all the other horror hosts around the country and have enjoyed many of yours as well. I have one of your box sets as well as episodes from the web and the monster channel. All great stuff. Daniel, thank you so much for picking up uh, my show and watching it and thank you for the kind words. I'm really glad you're enjoying them. Uh, I ran across your podcast this month and have been working my way through them. It has been so great to hear the positive updates on a possible sequel and especially the status of the Night of Dark Shadows restoration project by Darren Gross. Fingers crossed. I also enjoyed the fan interviews during the Halloween episode at Seaview Terrace. Anyhow, I just wanted to send you a little note of support from a longtime fellow fan of the show and to say thanks for those updates. Also, I just ordered the Dark Shadows Daybook, the Doctor of Mamoose Blu-ray, and plan to write WB Archives to add my support requesting the Night Restoration. All inspirations from your podcast. Oh my goodness. Take care, Danielle, and keep sharing your love of this cool show. It deserves it. Daniel, you are awesome. Thank you for 
all for, thank you for your message and thank you for watching Shilling Shockers and thank you so much for uh, your enthusiasm. I really want to see that Night of Dark Shadows restoration. I really hope that happens uh, for Darren. And if reincarnation happens, there's a good chance. If the dark, reincarnation happens and it's a success, it's popular, there's a good chance that Night of Dark Shadows will benefit from that and that we will see that release. So uh, all all good things could come from that too. Other good things could come from, from reincarnation uh, happening. Beyond getting a new show, uh, we could get Night of Dark Shadows restored. We could get all kinds of new merchandise, comic books based on the original show, based on the new show, based on the 91 show. Who knows? Sky's the limit. Uh, so fingers crossed because I'd, I'd really love to see that happen with uh, with a nice uh, restored release for Night of Dark Shadows. I really want to see Dan Curtis's vision for Night of Dark Shadows. I it, That needs to happen. It really needs to happen. The next message comes from Christian Arcaro. I just found your podcast last week when I searched for Dark Shadows in podcasts, and I'm enjoying it. As soon as lockdown hit last year, and I realized we may be in this for a while, I rewatched the series again on Amazon Prime. Regards. Awesome. I am so glad you rewatched it. Good time to rewatch Dark Shadows. I did too. I rewatched it again during the pandemic. So, of course, you know, I don't need really, we don't really need an excuse to watch Dark Shadows. Anytime's a good time to watch Dark Shadows. Go watch it now after listening to this episode. And our last message comes from Anika Peterson, Anika writes, I just wanted to say that I adore Tever at Collinwood. Aw, thank you. It's so lovely to listen to friendly and knowledgeable people obsessing about my favorite TV show. Also, it's thanks to you that I have discovered and fallen in love with the Universal Monster movies, which I had somehow never seen before. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you're watching the Universal Monster movies. That is wonderful. Uh, I'm also a second generation fan who was introduced to the show by my uncle. He and my mom both ran home from school to watch Dark Shadows, as the saying goes. One year, I happened to be visiting him on the anniversary of the start of the show, and he asked my cousin and I if we wanted to watch the first episode. I was instantly hooked, but I had no way to watch more. Luckily for me, my uncle got the DVD set of the show several months later and kindly gave me his VHS tapes. If you ever do another listener email episode, hey, what do you know? I'm doing one right now. I would love to hear you talk about gothic horror literature that you think influenced Dark Shadows beyond the obvious stories that the show lifted from, or tell us what's on your syllabus for the classes you teach on gothic literature. I can't be the only one who's been wondering about the reading lists for your classes. Well, Anika, I definitely want to devote a specific episode to the characteristics of the gothic and how Dark Shadows reflects those characteristics and in some cases subverts those characteristics as well. Um, but I will do that at some point. I just need to take the time to construct that episode. I want to really put that together. But I, I, I'm thrilled that you're interested in that topic. And I will be for sure will be doing an episode on that. That's that's on my to do list. Uh, as for the reading list for uh, my classes, the course I taught last semester was called Literary Themes Terror. So I, I just pulled up my syllabus here. Um, so for this class, I did all short stories. I didn't do novels for, for this class. Um, uh, it was uh, different short stories every week uh, that we would uh, the students would read. I'd give them journal questions uh, to write about, and then we would have uh, discussion. Of course, this was this was class was done online. Uh, this this semester actually is my first semester back in person uh, teaching. It's been almost two years since I've been in person. I've been doing uh, the distance learning in the last couple of years uh, through Zoom, uh, some synchronous classes, some asynchronous classes, which were done through uh, Blackboard, etc. Uh, but anyway, some of the stories I did for this class, The Fall of the House of Usher by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, The Birthmark by Nathaniel Hawthorne, Transformation by Mary Shelley, which one could argue 
influenced or inspired Count Patofi's ability to swap bodies with people. I mean, that's the only similarity, I would say. But there there might be a possibility that's where they got the idea from. Who knows? The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, which was one of the stories that was uh, served as inspiration for 1841 Parallel Time. Uh, definitely Shirley Jackson's tale there definitely uh, influenced the 1841 Parallel Time storyline. Of course, Wuthering Heights did as well. Uh, and then we have uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. The Yellow Wallpaper was one of the stories we did. The Cask of Amontillado, another Edgar Allan Poe story, which of course was also used in Dark Shadows during 1795 when Barnabas walled up Reverend Trask in that famous scene. Um, you could say the Yellow Wallpaper. Well, no, I was thinking of Jenny. Jenny is based on Rochester's uh, mad wife in Jane Eyre who's locked in the room. Uh, but it would have been cool if Jenny's, you know, the tower room where Jenny is had yellow wallpaper with designs on it, like maybe a hybrid with Jane Eyre, just like as a, as a little nod to the yellow wallpaper. But it's, I would say, more Jane Eyre than yellow wallpaper. But um, uh, The Outsider by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, we I did that one. We did the, the Bottle Imp by Robert Louis Stevenson, which might have been a cool story to use in Dark Shadows, actually. This little evil demonic imp that can grant your wishes. And I guess you kind of the can of comp. It's, it's in the same territory as the monkey's paw, which I also did in this class, which was also an influence on the Hand of Count Patofi storyline. Monkey's Paw was part of that, like because the, the hand can make your wishes come true. Like Tim Shog, it becomes rich. But usually, there's usually a price involved with well, well, the monkey's paw. There definitely is. And with, with Patofi's hand, it might help you or it might disfigure you or do something awful to you. So, so there's a price there. It's it's the monkey's paw, like a variation on it, you know. Uh, you could also say the Beast with Five Fingers, uh, the Peter Lorre film was an influence on the on the hand of Patofi. But I, I definitely I would say the monkey's paw by uh, Jacobs, W.W. Jacobs, uh, the Old Nurse's Tale by Elizabeth Gaskell, uh, Pooh Songling, The Painted Skin. Uh, Bram Stoker, Dracula's Guest. Those were those were the, some of the ones that I did for that for that particular class. And I will definitely be doing uh, an episode on uh, gothic characteristics in Dark Shadows. Well, I am going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to write to me and expressing your thoughts, sharing your memories. With that said, please do subscribe. If you're if you're not subscribed on YouTube, uh, do that in addition to subscribing to the audio version because there will be some exclusive video content coming your way when YouTube hits a thousand subscribers. It's not quite there yet. Audio is doing pretty well with subscriptions and I really appreciate that. Uh, YouTube we, we could use more subscribers up on YouTube there. So uh, hit that subscribe button, as the kids say. And if you subscribe through Apple Podcasts, please do review the show and leave a review. That does help the show to grow and show up on searches. And you can write to me at terror at Collinwood at gmail.com. The website is terror at Collinwood.com. Uh, you can go to YouTube, terror at Collinwood. I'm also on Instagram, Penny Dreadful uh, 1313. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I don't check Facebook as much as I used to. Um, I do share the podcast over on Facebook. Um, but yeah, spread the word. If you know Dark Shadows fans or if you're in a group that you think will uh, will enjoy the podcast, please, if a classic horror group or a Dark Shadows group, please feel free to share it. And thank you so much. And for as long as they lived, the Dark Shadows never truly dissipated, for there will always be terror at Collinwood. Terror at Collinwood is a Penny Dreadful production. 